Welcome back to the Enneagram Journey. Things are a little different today. I'm the guest and Joel is the host. We've done eight of the numbers and I wanted to be the two. Relationships is my thing and I wanted the opportunity to represent my number by talking with Joel about twos in relationship. I also wanted to be the last one because the path between us is released today. And that's a big celebration for me and I wanted a chance to tell you to go get it, uh, work on your relationships, add compassion to the world, and then we can leave it better than we found it. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Enneagram Journey. That's a switch. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, we're going to talk about twos and relationships. Okay, I'm ready. I and think. And you have... I'm a little nervous. I, I think we both are. Yeah. I don't know anyone who has more relationships than you do, and more different kinds of relationships. Mm-hmm. So, I do know as someone at the Micah Center and at LTM who gets to filter a lot of the questions and emails and comments and posts, that I, I, I've got my finger on the pulse. Oh. So first question out of the gate, being a two, being a parent, what was hard parenting when we were younger? Mm-hmm. And what's the most difficult thing now, a parent of adult children? That's a big question to start with. More than anything as a child, I wanted to be a parent. And I think that's because I was adopted and I didn't really understand having a baby and not keeping her uh, or him. Um, I've grown a lot in that understanding as an adult. But in wanting to be a parent always, I had lots of expectations about parenting completing me. And, you know, when we talk about fours, I always say that you nobody else can complete you. I'm an exception in that the four of you did complete a part of me that was incomplete before I had you. Um, When you were little, I loved all of it, but I had a lot of responsibility. Most people know that I was a single mom with three kids when dad and I got married and we had a fourth. And there was a lot of financial responsibility to care for the three of you and a lot of time responsibility, but I loved it. And I loved telling everybody that you were my children and people would say that you looked like me and I loved that. And I loved time with you and I loved you from the minute I held you in a way that was greater than I could imagine loving. Junior high years are not my best. And I'm not sure why, By then, uh, we were in ministry, and you are aware more than me of expectations for preacher's kids and how all that plays out. But I think looking back, uh, I think in your junior high years, I knew I was beginning to lose you, a part of you that had been mine. And so the relationship had to change, or we weren't going to get along. And the change was on my side of the fence, not y'all's. And uh, as adults, we've, um, we've kind of found our way. 
I think, all of us. So I'd have to talk about you individually to talk about parenting you as adults. So Joey's the oldest. She's 40. And Just for, so everyone who isn't your son yeah. and sees this every day. So now that was a four-minute verbal processing, <laughs> and we're going to get to the answer of the question, what is difficult parenting? Oh, okay. So nothing was difficult about parenting you as little kids as until junior high. Until For okay. me as a two. For me, nothing was difficult. I loved all of it. When it was messy, I still loved all of it. It's difficult for me to parent adult children because I don't want to lose you. So um, individually, uh, with Joey, who's an eight and who's now 40, uh, she grew up real fast, though, and she hasn't really needed much from me for a long time. And I had to find, you know, a two's need is to be needed. So I had to find a way to be in relationship without being needed, which is what I wanted for you all, to have freedom and to fly and to be a safety net for you. But I didn't know how to accommodate so little need for me. Um, and it, it's been uh, good and hard. Joey and I have had really great times in our relationship. We had about a two and a half year period where we really struggled. And things are really good again. And I think uh, part of it's because we work together some because she works in LTM teaching some now. But I think part of it is um, her being secure enough in her way of being in the world that she's not threatened by things I see differently or by asking for what I do have to offer. And I, I would have to say all of you uh, come to Dad and me when you got trouble and say, how do you think I should handle this? Uh, which is uh, maybe the highest compliment of all. Jenny is a nine, and she lives farther away. All of you live in the Metroplex with us, but she lives farther away. I see her less. And uh, she's the most private of all of you, which um, was harder when she was in college and first married than it is now. But it's still true that I know less about her day-to-day -day life than the rest of you. And parenting... Jenny is not, as an adult, is not complicated, but sometimes I f it feels like um, we're in a pattern that we neither one break because we're both other referenced and we've got other things that we're doing. And I, I sometimes am aware that I kind of want to check in with her more often, not because I need anything, just to touch base. And I think maybe she needs that. So Jenny's 35, 7. Jenny's 37. And um, you are a 7, and you're 33. And you and I are probably closer, I think, than we've ever been. Do you think that, too? Yeah. And we've never not had a good relationship, but we've never been as close as we are now. And it's really interesting because you're with me when I'm my most vulnerable. And I think the vulnerability that you've experienced in life gives you a tenderness for that. 
But what I really heavily rely on is that you protect me. So the fact that you're 6'3 is part of that. The fact that you're an aggressive number is part of that. The hardest thing for me is to make the transition where you take care of me instead of me taking care of you. So it's hard at 67 to travel like I do and be in different hotels and get on airplanes and walk through airports and teach for a day and a half and or three days and do what I do. And I've had to live into leaning on you and trusting you to um, make good decisions on my behalf. And uh, you probably need me less than you ever have. And so it's um, an adjustment. It's good. And we work really well together, I think. But mm -hmm. it's hard and it's good. I don't think that we would work well together without the Enneagram. I don't either. I, and I think another part of that is without, for me, some Enneagram knowledge of who is in my life. So, for instance, you, you are the, the two in my life. And so because we work a lot together, especially right now with the path between us and the workshops and L team growing. So with all that time, I couldn't go home to another two and, or have a best friend who was a two mm -hmm. just because it is the, the traveling as a seven. I love the traveling. I love the experience. I love when we get to go somewhere and there's some. Uh, space for me to do some seven stuff yeah. and, and things such as that and where it is it's work is when we're together and you know I joked about it a second ago but and you need to verbally process yeah. something and I need to be there like it seems twos can't verbal process with someone not in the room no. they have to get someone on the phone or someone in the room yep and that, that's where I earn my paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> you it, could, you could, you could, I suppose, get paid hourly for the uh, number of hours you are present, there, there like really go. present to me, verbally <laughs> processing all kinds of things. Right, right, and and if we didn't have that relationship, even as a, if we didn't have that information and that knowledge, even as a mother and a son, I wouldn't be able to do it. I, I I'd just be like, oh my gosh, this. This job sucks. And she never shuts yeah, up. Yeah, I'd get home, and that's how that talk would be with Whitney. <laughs> we're like, it was a four-hour plane ride, and we were both wide awake. <laughs> the whole time. So, and she was talking. Yeah. So that that's a big part of it for me, is having that awareness and balance of what I have space for. And so it just works perfectly. That That is the way that it is. And you... You know, some other numbers could work, but you also, you couldn't be seven and we, we wouldn't get any work done. We'd go on these trips and yeah. Yeah. If, yeah, and, if we were two sevens, there wouldn't be a podcast. Exactly. But, but there, there might be a travel, uh, jur journal of some kind, an audio travel journal on our Facebook pages, perhaps that, that would last a week until we'd move to something else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. I think too, uh, we both have a lot of respect for each other. It's very interesting to me that I was thinking about this this morning over coffee when there was nobody here for me to verbally process with. So I used <laughs> some thinking 
But you know what I don't think we've heard much of in all of the podcasts on relationships? I don't think we've heard people talk about respect very much, which is kind of a surprise to me. I don't, I don't remember hearing that word a lot. I think part of that could be the amount of time that has elapsed in people's relationships and in using the Enneagram. So a lot of the people that you talk to and interview, they've been working with the Enneagram or it's been introduced in their lives for two to three years, we'll say. I don't know what the exact number is or the average. And at that time, what does keep coming up is allowance and room for. Yeah, and which so is on. all respect. It's just not the word. Right. Yeah. And I, but I also, I think there's a little difference in respect. I think, so you talked a minute ago about and around junior high, our relationship had to change from your side, you said. And I, and you were like, we've never really had our time. I had a really hard time with you and dad as, as every teenage boy does. But I remember a lot of it being, and you've told stories um, in retrospect from using it as an anagram teaching of y'all recognizing the sevenness in me mm-hmm. and then making different decisions based on that, mm-hmm. which helped everyone. But I remember living in Grand Prairie, so around junior high and into high school. And I think, I don't know the timeline for your anagram teaching and so on, but I feel like that's when it mm-hmm. went up a notch was yep. around that time. And that's when everything, that's when our relationship changed from my standpoint of, I started to see, I could see y'all doing things differently. Mm-hmm. And so from that perspective of, and I was still being a teenage boy. So sure. that, you know, I was only thinking about myself and who knows what y'all had going on and life wasn't fair and yeah. whatever else. Yeah. And I was wonderful and God's gift uh-huh. to the world, et cetera. I remember that that well. Yes, as that's coming back. <laughs> so I think that's where in our relationship, the Enneagram really, I think, saved it. I don't think we could be here without it mm-hmm. happening at that point. And I think because of that timeline, so that's not, that's 15 years ago, yeah. not three or five. So I think respect is starting to happen now. And it's a respect for the other person's personality yeah we just had a conversation you did with stephanie burke and she's been working with anagram for about 10 years now and she talked about with aggressive numbers and other numbers that she struggles with seeing what they bring to the table yeah and whereas before she she said the word annoyed that she was so so annoyed yeah but now it's seeing what they have to offer and i see that now i think that's where the respect is for that we know what the other one's gifts are yeah, and what the other one doesn't have. And there's that openness respect, which that's why I think it's different than allowing people to be themselves or having space for people. It's also, I think that that. too. And you know, one of the things that I think is true, I think dad and I have done a pretty good job of, of being a safety net of, of giving you all room to get it right or get it wrong. And still be here. And the thing that's the most interesting to me, I think, Dad and I talk about this some, is that you all seem to respect our place in your life as your parents. And that, 
falls over into you and I working together because there's a place where I say, well, I don't know. What do you think? And you'll say, it's your podcast. What do you think? Or you'll say, it's your ministry. What do you think? And I, in my two-ness, I, I keep trying to say, well, it's our podcast and it's our ministry. And you say, well, actually, no, it isn't. And I, I think for parenting with any two numbers, but I think it's hard for twos because they need to be needed. I think one of the things that we have to work on is respecting other people's way of being in the world emotionally. Yeah. So um, I had a really bad event happen when we were teaching in one city. I was real hurt by something that happened professionally. And uh, people might probably don't know, wouldn't have a way of knowing that Dad keeps me in flowers. There are always flowers here from Daddy to me. And uh, you brought me flowers, and we put them in an ice bucket and put them on the coffee table, the coffee table in the hotel room. For a seven, a young male seven to do that is worthy of respect, not just gratitude. And I think people who don't know the Enneagram don't know that. I would say that my relationship with BJ, who is 30, is at times very close and at times very distant. And I think it has to do with two things. And one is that uh, he's a two and I'm a four. No, he's a four and I'm a two. Uh, But the other that is really tricky at times, I think, is that BJ is gay and married, and he and Devin uh, live here in the Metroplex and have their life together as a couple, and I have such strong feelings about the culture's response to people in the LGBTQ community that sometimes those feelings are too big in the room for BJ, who um, it, it's just who he is, and at 30, he's kind of beyond a lot of that. And two and four is tricky, because uh, four goes to two in stress, and so just when I would get really unhappy with BJ about choices that he makes, he kind of pops over into my way of being in the world, and it works very well for him in terms of saving the day or saving the space. And the other thing I want to say about parenting the four of you as adults is I don't know four people who are any more different from one another than you four are. And I have questions about that. I wonder if you're so different from one another because we knew the Enneagram and when you were young, so we, we let you be in your number because we understood it. You're just... Really, you and Joey are kind of alike. The rest of you are just really different. So sometimes I look at each one of you at different times and think, where did we get you? (laughs) Where where did you come from? Where did that come from? And I don't want to, um, I, I don't want this to sound arrogant in any way, but I want to pay homage to the Enneagram by saying, we just do family pretty well. And we're so different, I don't think we would do family well 
if we didn't know this wonderful wisdom? What do you think? You think we would? No, and that the question I get asked the most, and this is a perfect time for me to address it <laughs> so that everyone can hear it. And then, yeah. you know, because at workshops or, and I'm, oh my gosh, I could not be more of an introvert. Right. So people, however, professionally, you got to talk to people and yeah. you've told stories about that. You need to talk to people. People talk to you. All right. But people will come up and the most asked question I get is, oh, Suzanne, as, as your mom growing up, what was that like? That must have just been so this or so that. And I don't, you know, I've talked with the kids about this and we don't know what people have in their head of what it would be like. But it's but, probably not that. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not that. And it, I would say it's probably exactly like everyone else's, except for there has always been the space to just be you. I don't think that's necessarily because y'all knew the Enneagram. I think that's what helps make you such a great Enneagram teacher, is that you had that before you knew oh. the Enneagram. So before you knew the Enneagram, BJ was BJ. Yeah. And that was okay. And I was me, and that was okay. And Joey wasn't needy, mm -hmm. and that was okay. Yeah. And Jenny was quiet. Yeah. And we were all those things as little as I can remember. Yeah. So I think that led you into this. I think there are a lot of reasons why you're great at this, that being one of them, part of it being because you're a two. Mm -hmm. and I would say that I, I found you all to be so interesting being you. And um, I would also say that the answer to the question of what's it like to have me for a mom is it's just normal. Okay, so as a stay-at-home mom, you talk about how twos feel other people's feelings. Mm -hmm. So is that, and then especially so if you have, and you have share a line with a four. Mm -hmm. In my head, I see you at home, first couple of kids get home from school. Mm-hmm. Then an hour later, mm -hmm. the next kid, mm -hmm. an hour later, the reverend, mm -hmm. an hour, you know, and yep. then next, is that a roller coaster of what's mm -hmm. walking in the door for yep. a two? Yep. And it's, how do I love you? Well, I, I don't think I would have articulated that question, but it felt like my role in life was to be what each one of you needed when you walked through the door. And so what you don't know uh, in, not none of you know, is I cried a lot. Late at night, verbally processing with dad. Crying <laughs> right next to you. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, bless his heart. I, he just had a day of taking care of people and their needs all day long as their pastor. And I was all good. You know, dad used to say, what happened? Because <laughs> I'd be good at the dinner table and I'd be good at helping y'all with your homework. And, you know, we did, we went to everything all of you did. So we weren't home very many nights because we were traveling to watch one kid do something. But uh, I, um, I cried a lot. And, you know, the first three moves, I didn't know the Enneagram very much. I was reading, but I, I wasn't applying much yet. And I wouldn't have been able to explain that that's because I was feeling your feelings. So if one of you didn't have somebody to eat lunch with, I couldn't stand it. Like I couldn't stand it. If you look back in my journals, I journaled about it. And okay. if one of you didn't have a friend or if one of you was made fun of, I, I could just hardly stand it. 
So, but I stayed out of it. Right? Like, didn't I? I didn't go. I didn't call people's moms and say. Oh yeah, we're not those people. Yeah, I didn't do any of that. Not that there's anything wrong with being those people. Sorry. Um, (laughs) So, you say you just learning the anagram. Yeah. What would you have done differently now? as a two, to take care of yourself, take better care of yourself during those times? As a two with a big family, I would have worked at least part-time outside our home. When it got down to my whole world being dad and the four of you, um, that's just not a... That just meant I had too much energy for loving Dad and the four of you. And I think I overloved you some. Uh, um, so then we use the next 20 years to taper you off of that. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, when we dropped the three of you who went to Hendrix, when we dropped you off in Conway, Arkansas, which is five and a half hours from here, I cried all the way home. And I cried all the way home because with each one of you, I said to dad, they'll, they'll never want to be in relationship with me again because they don't need me. So for us all to be here together, all kind of focused in on how we can make the world better using the Enneagram and how we can support one another and how we can be together. You know, one of the things that I've said a lot of times is, the career that I have is not the life I dreamed for myself. Like I didn't ever dream I'd be doing this or traveling or have books or anything. Um, if I had dreamed it, I don't think I could have had it. And I'd never dreamed that all of my children would live where I live with their spouses and their children. And that we would kind of have this big extended family to do life with. And if I had thought that was a possibility, I think I would have tried to make it happen and I would have ruined it. Hmm. Okay, you mentioned spouses. And now we're going to get to things that people really want answers to. Okay. (laughs) So you are married to the 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 Reverend. Reverend. (laughs) He's a nine, you're a two. Yep. Y'all worked together not married professionally well before you knew what the Enneagram was. And now you work together professionally where y'all are at. What are the big differences? What are the changes from back then from 35, 40 years ago and now? Uh, The first thing that comes to mind is that when we first started working together, I was a lay woman in the Catholic church and he was fathers to be on. And he's very handsome, and he sings beautifully, and he's a good teacher. You know, he's got a lot going on. And uh, when we first started working together, I, I overdid my part. So I would feel like I had a place. So I was too much. And, and um, you know, I wanted to be cute and smart and noticeable. I wanted people to notice me. Then, he was always center stage. And, you know, with twos, they're happy to work behind the scenes, but you have to give them credit for what they do. And he hadn't learned that real well yet. 
So I was helping him learn that in real after he left the priesthood and we started dating and fell in love and uh, we loved one another, but we weren't in love until after he left the priesthood. I, cause, cause he's an introvert. He's an introverted nine. And without the collar, he lost some of who he was. So he was reticent and hesitant. And so uh, then I was always pushing him because I wanted everybody to know him. I wanted everybody to see how great he was. And so I, I would say, tell that story. You should do that. Why don't you, you ought to, you should, you should. And so, I, you know, I teach that you should never push a nine because the more you push, the more they're going to dig in and not do it. And nines don't want to be in the spotlight generally. And I wanted daddy to be in the spotlight again because I thought he was so deserving of that. So I don't do that anymore. But, but what I did learn is that we have to give each other separate lives because we defer to the other one too much. So um, it's good that he's head of congregational care at a very large church. And it's good that I'm on the road um, doing what I do. And I'm, I've been asked to sometimes on uh, Lady Sunday to preach, and you know how terrible that is. Who asked you to do that? <laughs> well, it was never Daddy. <laughs> I think like it was uh, the lay people who were in charge of Lady Sunday, right? So I'm terrible at that. And he's really good at it. And uh, I'm really good at teaching for eight hours. I, I can flat teach the Enneagram. That's what I do, and I'm good at it. And now that we have separate worlds, I try to back up when I'm in his so there's no confusion about you know, I'm there to support him, yeah. not to stand in that space. I've been a little uncomfortable at times with the success of The Road Back to You and the anticipation from people about the path between us and when's it going to be out. And because it feels like people are focused on me when I'm in Dad's space, and I don't want that. However, he kind of likes it. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're a best friend. Yeah. Carolyn. Yeah. She's a five. Yeah. You're a two. Yeah. And that you've talked about that in the past, how five and two, that's tricky. That's a hard best friends for 50 years. Yeah. You, t you say that people do life great who don't know the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. There are people that the Enneagram is not not the answer for things. It's a great answer. It's usually to go with something else, etc. but you can do life without it. How, before y'all knew the Enneagram, did y'all sort through your two-ness and her five-ness? Well, we worked together. You know, we started out working together. Uh, I was at SMU actually, and Carolyn had a huge intramural program at Bishop Lynch. And she called SMU and asked for basketball officials for uh, intramural finals and one of the PE teachers asked me if I wanted to go or one of the coaches and I said yeah and that's how I met her then they wanted to start the Texas Catholic Interscholastic League for girls and they didn't have a basketball person you know they didn't I, I had a long history with basketball and volleyball in high school and college and um, so they invited me to be part of that and then Bishop Lynch invited me to 
uh, teach part-time so I could start a basketball program. So uh, like my relationship with dad, my relationship with Carolyn started out as a professional relationship. We were working together. Does that help to put some boundaries mm-hmm. on because, whereas if it had started the other way, you know, and you try to, like you talked about with our family things, where if you had tried to force things that yeah. worked out well, that it wouldn't have happened. So having those boundaries because of it beginning professionally. Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> one time at the Micah Center, somebody said, how'd you two get to be such good friends? They asked Carolyn, how'd you two get to be such good friends? And Carolyn said, well... She likes to talk all the time, and I don't mind listening. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I think. I, I had enough affection. You know how you have uh, the kind of affection you have for a friend. I had enough affection for both of us. And we worked together, and she, although she's 10 years older than I am and had a lot of years on me professionally, she deferred to the fact that I knew basketball. And she handed over the head coaching job to me. And she was my assistant. The fact that somebody was willing to exchange roles, I found to be very intriguing. She was just easy to be friends with. I was, when we first started our friendship, I was taking 18 hours a semester at SMU teaching five classes a day with her at Bishop Lynch and coaching two sports, and I had the cheerleaders. So there wasn't much time. And I think you have to build relationships with fives when you're doing something else. And so we became friends doing something else, but we were just doing that something else side by side. And then uh, Carolyn, uh, like most fives, doesn't need very many friends. And I need lots of people. And uh, I would have just never let her go. I, You know, I would go get her if I had to. I didn't have to, but I would have because she's so dear to me. And so she was able, as part of my life, to gradually add intimate relationships. And in that, she discovered how many she could accommodate. So she gradually added dad, but um, she was there when all four of you were born, and she got to add you to her world one at a time. I've got a question now then about fives and relationships. Okay. So you you teach that fives have a measured amount of energy. So in the day, they've got X amount, and that's all they have. Right. And when it's out, it's out. Do fives have a measured amount of space, like it can't... Can it grow or is it, has it failed? Do you think not now this is, it sounds like a Carolyn specific question, but fives in general Yeah. that they, there, there's X amount of room for other people in mm-hmm. my life. Yep. And once we're at that point, yep. there's just not, no matter what it is, there's just not room or is that just, no, that's true. There, there is a, a, an amount of space, but it does grow, but it has to grow by adding one person at a time that matters a bunch, you know. Mm-hmm. Carolyn actually says, but with tears in her eyes, Carolyn says, uh, has said to me twice, I wish I had known the Enneagram before because I would have done things so differently. I would have made myself do things differently because I, I think I missed a lot in relationships. 
And that's paraphrased, but that's pretty close. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one of the questions that you ask everybody that comes on, what is the hardest relationship for you? Not Enneagram number-wise, just the relationship that you just have to do the most work around and doesn't come as easy. I think the hardest relationship for me was uh, Grandpa Stabile. You know, being Catholic and the Catholic Church was super important to Grandpa and Grandma Stabile. It was the center of their lives, and they were daily communicants. And um, when Grandma Stabile figured out how much Dad loved me and how much I loved him, and that he was so happy in our life with all of you having adopted you. And then because she loved him as a son, she made some space for me, even though it meant she lost her son, the priest. Grandpa Stabile never really found space for me. And I understand that. Like, I don't fault him for that. I get it. But I don't do well with... I could see you in your... As a two. Yeah. And as a... Love me. Yeah. And and how can I get you to love me? I love your son. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. And that being difficult. Yeah. It was... It, it was really hard, and, I, um, and I've matured enough now, and I'm old enough, that I think it was hard for him, too. So here's, here's, how, I've, here's how I carry that with me. I appreciate the integrity of not pretending to want me around mm-hmm. because that's what I would do. I wouldn't be able to stand for somebody's feelings to be hurt because I was being honest in that way. So I would, I would give up my integrity in order to fake it. And I, I'm glad he didn't do that. What is the most difficult Enneagram number for you in relationships? This sounds so uh, terrible, but I'm trying really hard to be honest. There's not one anymore, but there used to be. What did it used to be? Uh, it, for a time, it was eights. And then for a time, it was sixes. For a longer time, it was sixes. Um, sixes for the longest time, probably. Why? Um, interestingly enough, I, I think uh, twos trigger sixes. I think sixes find it hard to trust twos. And I pick up real quick when people don't trust me. And, you know, I'm so forthcoming and uh, I'm vulnerable most of the time and I... I my response to that, I understand if people don't like me, but good grief, what is there to not trust? Right. Right? Um, and so I actually think that I struggled with twos because twos struggled with me. I mean, I struggled with sixes because sixes struggled with me so much. If we were to wrap that up, if I was interviewing me, <laughs> here's what I'm thinking. Uh, so then... I struggled most with people who don't trust me because, you know, eights don't trust anybody. Right. Okay. And, you know, I, I would struggle with fives, I think, if I wasn't such an extrovert and so blasted charming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding about that, mostly. They give you space to fill. I get that. 
They do, and they. Um, it's hard for fives to keep the magic shield up around me. You know, I, I kind of can usually find a way in. Right. What advice would you give a younger two? So a younger female two, what advice would you give them? Because it seems like there are a lot out there. Be mindful of the reality that you feel other people's feelings. And those feelings are not your own and they don't require a response from you. Every time. The tendency is to respond every time and that's not yours to do. That would be one thing. Uh, the other thing would be um, don't don't risk too much trying to get people to want you or to love you. Just don't give so much. And then by the time a two is in her 30s, I would say, you better figure out self-care right now because you'll regret it at 60 and beyond if you haven't learned to take care of yourself and it doesn't come naturally how could someone in relationship with a two best love a two and best take care of a two i think it must be very tedious to be with somebody who's so emotional and try to wrap your head around the fact that those feelings are not theirs and I think it must be very tedious to have to ask an adult, uh, a, a mature adult, what do you want and what are you feeling and what do you need? But those two things are just essential. And the thing that's so frustrating about that, I would think, from your side, would be, good grief, Mom. <laughs> You're 67 years old and you don't know what you want to eat or you don't know what you need me to do or you don't know what you need. And I still work so hard to answer that question. Okay, and, that, and sometimes when we are working together, is it best for me to, when you don't know, when I, when I know something's wrong or you do need something, clearly you need something, and I say, well, what is it you need? And you say, I don't know, or, or nothing, and clearly it's not nothing, etc. Is it best to give a two space then, or to take a shot in the dark and try to do something? Because sometimes I want to, sometimes I'm like, well, I could guess at this. But I also, if I'm going to put the energy into this relationship and into this action, mm -hmm. and it not be it, then I'm going to be way discouraged. And this is probably seven of doing it next time. Sure. And next time it'll for sure be, well, you let me know when you figure yeah. it out. Yeah. The short answer is you should step back. You should ask, but that's all you're responsible for. You, you don't have to stay in it to figure it out. That's that work is on the two side of the fence. But what I ended up talking about was the fact that I'm in our relationship. I'm trying to meet your needs too. So right now, you and uh, Whitney have been married for how long? About 10 months, 9 months. You are blending families. And you're pregnant. And you travel with me. And I've I had to go through kind of a hard thing recently that involved a lot of feelings. That's a lot to ask a 7 to deal with. 
And so you know how that's been good for me? That helps me figure out what I really need as opposed to what would be nice would be nice to say. Like, do I really need to talk tonight or does he need to sleep? So I think part of that's because I'm your mother. But what if we could treat everybody that way? What if we knew the Enneagram to the point that we could do what Stephanie Burke talked about in her podcast with us about being at 30,000 feet? What if when we're in, in relationship with somebody, we could look at it from up there and say, Okay, do I need that more than he or she needs this? Seems like maybe relationship-wise, that would be a real key. Yeah, for every number. For every number. And it would be different, uh, what, what you're weighing, you know, the two scales. Yeah. That would, there's a, an image to be drawn That's for a each good number. The two scales, yep. what are you constantly weighing against yep. what it is you're right. challenged with in, in the other person? Like, y'all, right now, y'all even have a rescue dog that's needy. <laughs> right? So you're a seven and, and we have more work than we can say grace over here in LTM. And you've got a pregnant wife, a, a 67 year old mother that you hang out with a lot, a dog that needs you, three children that need you. Y'all have a lot going on. And if I go up to 30,000 feet, the question is, do I really need to talk through this with him right now more than he needs to take a nap? And that doesn't have to be a parental role. That can be a way of being in the world. Well, yeah, I'd, and it'll begin being used immediately in our household because I definitely, over the past few days, if I had thought of this, of taking it to 30,000 feet and looking yeah. at what is it that we need more as a family or mm -hmm. what is it, does she need this more than I need this right now? Mm -hmm. And I think... Recently, and probably for aggressive numbers, I think oftentimes it'll be, you probably need to go with the other. Yeah. Last question. And this is, I don't, I'll be curious to know if you come up with something new because people hear you talk all the time, <laughs> but what is one thing that you want, you wish the world knew about twos in relationships? I think twos probably struggle more with self-image than any other number on the Enneagram. And the reason I don't say it is because it sets up a competitive mindset and I lose people in the room. If I say that while I'm teaching during the middle of a day, then people get lost in that. Oh, that can't be true. I, um, it's for sure my number, you know. So one of the ways that I know that that's such a poignant thing is that I don't want people to ask me questions about it in my life. Because you know, I'll answer a question about almost anything. But I don't want to talk about that publicly. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Suzanne, for <laughs> giving up it's... the keys to the car for the Enneagram journey today. It's so weird when you call me Suzanne. <laughs> uh, you're welcome, Joel. <laughs> The Enneagram Journey podcast is produced by Life in the Trinity Ministry. Music is provided by Solve Lighthouse. Professional photography is courtesy of Courtney Perry. We invite you to visit theenneagramjourney.org for more information, and we welcome your questions and comments. Thank you for being with us today.